If we want to list every way Spreaker can help podcast publishers, well, we need a podcast of our own. Whether you're in charge of long-running series with extensive backlogs or countless limited series, you can organize and monetize your entire catalog with Spreaker. With Spreaker's customizable publisher plan, you can add collaborators, analyze extensive listener analytics, and even share exclusive content through custom RSS feeds. And that's just for starters. Head to Spreaker.com to learn more. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com. Welcome to the porch here on Firefall Talk Radio. I'm Richard Grun. This is where we get back to basics, examining the Word of God, focusing on the Book of Acts Church, seeing how they did things, how they shook the world, and so that we can do it again. The porch was created to restore the priesthood of the believer and to find the church that the Lord intended and not the one that man created because we believe the church age is still in effect. The fire still falls. The day of Pentecost from that day in Jerusalem is ongoing. It's never ended. The porch is an outreach of Solomon's Porch, Inc. On solomonsporch.org is that website. If you want to contact us, you can do so there. You can go to firefalltalkradio.com. You can reach us there, and you can also find ways to support what we do. Thank you to all of you that already support us. Make sure you bookmark the Spreaker site of Firefall Talk Radio. And sometime by the end of the year, I've been trying to get Blog Talk and Spreaker to combine to combine our accounts. Because in case you didn't know it, Blog Talk bought Spreaker. It's one company, but they still want to charge me twice. So if they won't work something out with me, I will probably disconnect the Blog Talk Radio account. I hate to do that. Nine years worth of listeners. We we appreciate each and every one of you archive shows. But I'm hoping that they appeal to reason and just combine it into one payable account. Eleven weeks from today, we'll be meeting on that Exactly from today, from Saturday, we'll be meeting in Orlando, Saturday, July 27th. If you want to come in on Friday, come in, play, go visit the parks, enjoy the sunshine, have a great room rate of $79 plus tax at the Rosen Inn Point, Orlando, 9000 International Drive, Orlando, Florida. Call 8,999-8585. Tell them you're coming to the C Conference. The booking ID is 681 Three six. The cutoff date for that special rate, and it will go up after July 5th. You want to book it now. You also want to let us know you're coming. Go to firefallmediagroup.com or facebook.com forward slash firefallmediagroup and just say, look, I intend to be there. Save me a seat because there's only going to be a certain number of seats. After 50, I, I booked a room. I'm setting it up for 50. After that, we're closing the doors. I'm trying to keep this small 
and approachable, and we can interact with one another. Anything beyond that will make that room uncomfortable. Not going to do it. So if you want to be there, not going to do it. If you want to be there, let us know. I'm praying that everyone that's supposed to be there attends, and then we get the sponsorship to help some people that want to be there but are having some financial struggles. Millions of prayers were answered. Remember we were talking about the Pakistani Christian woman, Asia Bibi, who was sentenced for blasphemy for eight years. She was finally acquitted uh, in October of 2018. She has finally gotten out of the country. She is safely in Canada, where her daughters are already waiting for her. They've been granted political asylum there. I don't know why America wouldn't do it. They should have, but Canada did it. I'm glad somebody did. So she's safe. The spokesman for Open Doors said this is wonderful news, and we hope that there will not be repercussions for the Christians in Pakistan, but that this would, in fact, make a way for change, hope, and reconciliation. So pray for them. Pray for Asia Bibi and her daughters. Pray for the Christians that are still in Pakistan. Let's pray for our brothers and sisters who are being persecuted. Praise reports, prayer requests. Well, of course, I have to praise the Lord for my salvation because without that, I don't have anything else I'm about to mention. My home, my lovely wife of 39 years, uh, my sons, my daughter-in-law, my wonderful grandson, my furry kids, uh, everything that I have, this technology, this room to do this in, I praise him for all of that. Praise him for you. Praise him for this ministry. It is inspirational. It's edifying. It's encouraging. Yeah, it's it's work, but you know what? We should be working for the kingdom. We should be putting our our energy into furthering the gospel and helping one another. Praise him for his protection, which is always there for us, for for him letting me work this ministry, for the dreams and the visions and the fact that we are living in what I believe to be the end times. These are the last days. Actually, the last days began on Pentecost, but we are getting closer to the coming of the King, the return of the Lord. So I praise him for that. I praise him for his healing virtues, which are still available to us. I just praise him because I can praise him. That's what I've been doing all day long. I've been listening to some praise and worship music I got saved on and just sitting here praising the Lord and thinking of his goodness and just telling him I love him. He's getting ready to return, and I want to see him. And I pray that we have his favor in revelation and provision so that we can go do what he called us to do. I pray for the Middle East, for Israel, for the peace of Jerusalem. Things are stirring at any moment, at any moment. If you're not paying attention to Israel, you need to be paying attention. There's so many things happening right now, chess pieces being moved, ships, tanks, soldiers. There's all this posturing that at any moment the Middle East could be in a war. We have to watch the signs of the times. We have to watch that. I pray for the fatherless, the widows, the innocents, the victims of injustice in and out of the womb, human and animal, the the slaughter of the innocents, the religious persecution, the anti-Semitism, the victimization of women and children, and just the general activity of Hasatan and the fallen and their demonic offspring. My wife can tell you, I'll watch the news, I'll watch these shows promoting the enemy, 
and uh, sometimes I'll weep. I'll weep for the fact that the enemy is doing what he's doing, running amok, and we are not doing what we were called to do. So let's get that. Let's get ready. Let's get healthy. Let's get focused spiritually. Let's get filled with the fire of the Holy Spirit and get going. I'm praying for healing for each and every one of you that are sick right now, that are hurting. I'm praying for your protection and your inspiration. I'm praying for the remnant that this message is for, that the porch is for, to wake up. Sometimes I just want to shake you. Wake up. Rise up. Answer the call to action. If you've been blessed, then be a blessing. Stop putting your offerings into greedy, self-centered, vain ministries and pay and help the people that are out there doing it. There are other people on the front lines who are giving sacrificially, putting themselves at risk. Pray the blessing in, in accordance with his word. Continue to pray for me and my family. Pray for my wife and her uh, Deborah to be healed and restored, and for God to use her the way he designed to use her. Stacy in Texas, thankful to the Lord for her family of furry kids, like-minded believers in her life. She's thankful for the scars, because without them, she wouldn't know his heart. And that's what it's all about. She says, thank you for loving me and not giving up on me. Please teach me to be like you in all circumstances, in my marriage, with my family, and with the world. Seal my heart for your courts. Please bless us, SRT, with what is needed to proceed with their mission. Bless my friend Kim and her family. Protect us all, Dad. Keep us close. We love you. We are yours. In Jesus' name. You know, that SRT mission she mentioned, you know, she's been around for a little while. She knows about SRT. Many of you do. We have been called to go and do, we are the sheepdogs of the great shepherd. We've been called to go rescue the sheep. We've been called to confront the wolves. And we've been called to shut down their access to the flock. My brother Larry and I, we pray almost every day, pretty regularly, to take this mission on the road, to do what we've been called to do, to finally get ready and clear the path, make straight the highway. So please pray with her in that regard. Kim in Fort Mitchell says, I praise him for his divine protection and for choosing me to be a living testimony. Amen to that. I'm grateful for my salvation, sobriety, my children, my family, my friend Stacy, the porch community, her dog Bruno, and everyone he put into my life, long or short term. She says, I've been sleeping well. The baby's sick with some kind of sinus infection. Please pray with me for healing and rest over our bodies, our hearts, and our spirits. Says her daughter, London, would like to add an unspoken prayer request tonight, so we'll definitely keep that in mind. So much going on in this fallen world. Every day, numerous stories of children being killed and abused, animals being tortured. Says, I'm tired, Father. Another school shooting. How much is enough? Father, help me to forgive and to let go. Protect our families, our pets, and our possessions. Heal our families. Provide, Father, and please bless us and favor us in Jesus' name. Folks, the enemy's active. The enemy's doing what the enemy is going to do. The Lord warned us what he would be like, and he's doing it. He's looking to destroy people. He's a roaring lion looking to devour. I'm calling for the lion, the spirit of the lion of the tribe of Judah to rise up in us. To get together. Get together in prayer and agreement. And say, like, enough. 
enough with the murders, enough with the evil, enough with the satanic inspiration in the media and the seduction of our children and the destruction of our families. Enough. Get on your knees. Find your prayer closet. Get under your prayer shawl. Get committed. Father, we love you. We thank you. We worship you. But we're tired of this fallen world. We're tired of what we see. We're tired of what we feel. We want to see you. We want to hear your voice. We want to smell the incense of the throne room on your beard and on your clothing. We want to be safe, and the only time we'll be safe is when you're here, when the Prince of Peace brings peace to the world. Help us, Holy Spirit. Seal us. Inspire us. Encourage us. Bring Bring the word of the Lord to our minds. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We thank you for what you did on the cross to make this happen. We thank you for the the empty tomb and the, and the upper room and the fire and everything that we've been talking about and trying to acquire and, and renew and restore in your body. But it just seems like they don't care. They don't want to know. But for those of us that do, for this remnant that you've called, please, please touch us. Please help us. Restore us. Renew us. Give us back our our youth and our vigor and our vitality. Give us back functional bodies and and take away all the stress and, and the strife and the lack that the enemy has brought into our lives. We know that we live in a fallen world, but this is not our home. We are not of this world. Our citizenship is elsewhere. We are yours. We are your sons and we are your daughters. So we say, Abba, Father, Papa, God, Daddy, please hear our prayers. Please answer our prayers, Lord. We just thank you. And we tell you how much we love you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, all of our mind and our strength and our spirit. Now speak to us tonight. Touch us. And I just pray this in Yeshua's name. Amen. Lessons are proprietary information, except where noted the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. For there is one body and one spirit, and just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future, there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father who is over all and in all and living through all. However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Messiah. That is why the scriptures say when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. He took captivity captive and gave gifts to men. The ascended triumphant Messiah over the defeated Hasatan and his fallen angels and their demonic offspring. And he gave to us gifts, supernatural, Holy Spirit gifts. 
and our faithful stewardship of those gifts on earth will determine our position of service in his messianic reign. To whom much is given, much is required. You see, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Holy Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit, and that's what we've been talking about for 24 weeks, walking in the Spirit, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But the one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Which means the Holy, the Holy Spirit's available to you. To you. He will give you whatever gift is necessary for you to do what you need to do for the kingdom. So keep seeking, keep learning and keep including him in your life. If things get bad and 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 the wounds come and the enemy's pounding on you, don't don't hide, don't crawl under your covers and go, Oh woe is me. No, seek him. Cry out to him. He's found by those who seek him. Because I don't care who you are, old, young, male, female, I don't care what your talents are, I don't care what you've done. The kingdom of God needs you. He wants to use you. So we've been talking about the gifts of the Spirit. We've been talking about the vocal gifts, tongues, and interpretations. So now we're talking about prophecy. But Paul, in, in the teachings to the church in Corinth, many of whom came out of the occult, came out of, of the supernatural, the, the paranormal, whatever you want to call it, they understood power. They understood supernatural things. So it was necessary for him to rein them in, to teach them, to give them guidelines. And that's what we've been doing. He says in 1 Corinthians fourteen fifteen, I will pray with the Spirit, and I will also pray with understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with understanding. And the purpose of the gifts both whether you do them privately or in public services, when you fellowship with others, is for the edification and the furthering of the gospel and of the kingdom and for the church itself. It's not selfish. It's not individual. It's not to draw attention to yourself. If you're not doing it for him and if you're not doing it for the kingdom, then you're doing it for you, and that's wrong. Twenty of the forty verses in that chapter emphasize the importance of the edification of the body and of the world even, but not one of them talks about the personal advantages to displaying the gifts. 
Yes, you're supposed to have free expression. Yes, the Spirit is free to move. But if we're going to worship, if we're going to do it right, then it must be done order in order and with decency. See, these gifts I'm talking about, they're extraordinary. They're supernatural and they're permanent. They were not momentary. They didn't end when the church age died. By the way, church age still going on. We're still here. We're still fulfilling the Great Commission. They didn't end because some egghead from some seminary said they did. If the Holy Spirit's here, his manifestations are here. His gifts are here. The fruit of his presence are here. He came to abide with us, take permanent residence. He's not going anywhere. He's with us. So if he's permanent, so are his manifestations. So these vocal gifts, which we're now getting into prophecy, are both for the church and for the world. You know, in Acts 19.2, when Paul said to the followers of Jesus, but they had been baptized in the baptism of John, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And their response was, we've not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Sometimes it feels like it's that way in the church today. You want to look at people and say, have, have, you, have you heard? Do you know? Have you received? Is he in you? In 1 Corinthians 14, starting verse 22, Paul says, So you see that speaking in tongues is a sign, not for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is for the benefit of believers, not unbelievers. Even so, if unbelievers or people who don't understand these things have come into your church meeting and hear everyone speak in an unknown language, they will think you are crazy. But if all of you are prophesying, and unbelievers or people who don't understand these things come into your meeting, they will be convicted of sin and judged by what you say. As they listen, their secret thoughts will be exposed, and they will fall to their knees and worship God, declaring God is truly here among you. That was one of the things the prophet Isaiah said in verse 45, is that the people would say, surely God is in you and there is no other, there is no other God. When, when true prophecy happens, not some of the, I'm going to say fake, fleshly, when true prophecy happens, when you speak things out in prophecy that, A, you have no business knowing, and, B, it reveals an aspect of a person's life, and the Holy Spirit convicts them of that aspect, and then they repent and either get healed, they get saved, they get delivered, that's the purpose of the voice of prophecy. That's the purpose of the voice of truth. I, you know, I call it reading people's mail. It's probably a little too casual a term. But it's like I've had access to your envelope, and I know what's in your folder. I know what's in your file. I know I've shared this with you. My wife's had people tell her, boy, I would hate to be around your husband if I had sin in my life. I only know what the Lord tells me. And he only tells me if it's not under the blood. If it's under the blood, if it's been forgiven, it's been cast in the sea of forgetfulness, and he remembers it no more. 
So if he's sharing it with me, it has not been covered in the blood. And the purpose of him using me to speak it out or to reveal it is so that that person can be healed and can be delivered, that they can be repentant and get restored. And the thing about prophecy is it uses every aspect of the gifts of the Spirit, but specifically tongues and the interpretation of tongues. Because I've been in church services, fellowship services, whatever you want to call them, where I've given the message in tongues, I've given the interpretation, and somewhere in that interpretation, one or more people had a word spoken to them that they then dealt with. It's done in love. It's done for their benefit. And it's done so that they can be healed and the enemy defeated. What's amazing to me, what's truly astonishing, that people will go to psychics, people will go to mediums, they'll go to somebody for a word, they want their palm read, they want their tea leaves read, they want their crystals examined. They're looking for a word from somebody. My problem is, why not seek it from the God of all creation? Isaiah 8, verses 19 and 20 say, When they say to you, seek those who are mediums and wizards who whisper and mutter, should not a people seek their God? Should they seek the dead on behalf of the living? To the law and to the testimony, if they do not speak according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. There's a lot of people on social media that have met me over the years, through the seminars, through this, through some of the missions we've been given, uh, social media, and they claim that they're believers, and they say and do all the right things, and every now and then they post something that I sit and I look at it and I shake my head, especially those in the paranormal community. They've got a foot in both worlds, and they're wondering why the enemy has access to them. You cannot drink from two cups. You cannot drink from the cup of demons from the cup of the Lord. You cannot eat at two different tables. You must pick a side. And what Isaiah confirms is what I've always said. He confirms his word by himself. If it doesn't line up with the word, it's not of him. A word from the Lord is confirmed by his word. He confirms himself. In the amazing, astonishing, wonderful works of God, on that day in Jerusalem, were proclaimed to every nation on the earth because they were represented there. And we have continued to be called to do that. And the Spirit will do what he does because he's trying to get their attention. So when when they came out of the upper room speaking in very various unknown languages, and the people were hearing them in their own language. It was a strange, miraculous phenomenon that got people turned towards them so that Peter could explain to them what was going on. So if you look at the day of Pentecost, it is very much tongues and in the interpretation of tongues. 
120 spill out of the upper room, and they're speaking in tongues. And then Peter interprets what they're saying and what happened. He raises his voice, and he says to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and heed my words. uh, Meaning, hey, pay attention. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. It shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see vision. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. I shall show wonders in the heavens above and signs in the earth beneath and blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. In that one section from Acts 2, 14 through 21, when Peter quotes Joel 2, 28 and 29, we have upper room tongues, the interpretation of tongues, and then prophecy spoken by Peter of what is to come. The manifestation was meant to draw people to the Lord for what? For salvation. Jews and Gentiles, men and women, old and young, slaves and free. Visions, dreams, and prophecies, and and supernatural experiences accompanied the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, by direct inference, he declared that the last days had begun. Right there. It's right there. It shall come to pass in the last days. I'm describing to you what you're seeing now. Therefore, if you're paying attention, the last days just began. And we know 3,000 men got saved. We don't know how many women or... We don't know the exact numbers. We just know they kept the track of the men. But we do know that a fire was started. Oh, boy, do we need a fire started now. We have some people that are supposed to have the spirit inside of them, but it's gone out. They haven't tended to it. They haven't fed it. They haven't kept the oil of the throne room inside of them. They're not moved. They're not... They're not compassionate. They have no love in them. And that's the key, 1 Corinthians 14, 1. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Which is tied to 1 Corinthians twelve seven. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. See, when prophecy is in effect, the enemy gets exposed The enemy likes to hide in the dark. They're like roaches. You turn on the light and they run. Prophecy exposes them. It exposes to the people and to the demons inside of them or attached to them or in general vicinity that the God of all creation, the one that spoke them into existence, he sees everything, and he sees them. 
So the importance of prophecy, as Paul is emphasizing it, it's the edifying nature for the for the body. Tongues edifies the the believer. Prophecy, the unbeliever. The problem that we have in the charismatic church today is there's too much personal edification going on in every aspect of the gifts. We've become selfish, self-centered. We've turned our eyes off of the world. We've turned our eyes off of the harvest. We, we're, we're letting sheep wander off. We're letting the wolves come into the pen. And there's got to be a point where we say no more. When you see somebody on the news or you read somebody uh, about a family on social media or the, something the enemy has done, interceding for, for that family and those people in that area, asking the Lord to send warriors to deal with it. See, that's what SRT does. When we get an assignment and the Lord sends us, that's what it's about. But for whatever reason right now, we're not. Some of it's lack of provision, but I also think it's the Lord just saying, there's not enough people that want it. There's not enough people that think that they need it. That's what Pastor Shelley says. I'm surprised you're ever home. He said, I'm, I'm surprised you're not speaking, teaching, and doing seminars all over the world. He said, but here's the problem. Church doesn't want to hear it. They don't want your help. They don't want you to come into their areas and tell them what's going on. They don't want you to expose what's hidden in the darkness. But, folks, that's what we need. When you go to the doctor, you don't go to the doctor. Hey, doc, I really don't want you to tell me what's wrong with me. I just I just came to visit. Here, take, take my money. I just wanted to hang out and say I've been here. No, you go because you know something's wrong. But as beneficial as these things are, especially prophecy, Paul puts some limits on it. First of all, prophets were not intended to monopolize the time that people had together. And they were not exempt from accountability. Whatever they said needed to be judged, and if in error... Confronted. Problem that we have in the church today too many people running and gunning under no accountability. And if you try to say anything, touch not God's anointed. First of all, scripture doesn't even apply. It doesn't. It's just an excuse for people to hide behind so that you can't point out their error. What's a, what what will it take? And I'm going to ask you this question. If you want to respond, go to onsolomonsporch.org or firefalltalkradio.com or if you're if you're connected with me on social media, what do you think it will take for this to change? Because if I were to go into some of the churches in the world, the congregations in the world, the meetings in the world, and begin to read their mail, I'll tell you the first thing they would do is security would escort me out. If I were to begin to point to the pulpit and speak out their sins, their hidden sins, or call them out on their false teachings, the church doesn't want that. They want their ears tickled. 
They don't want the truth, and they don't want the voice of prophecy, and they don't want the voice of the Holy Spirit. I don't have time for that. I don't have time for men and women that are a part of that. I don't have time for this new progressive Christianity, which is just a hip way of saying what you believe is unbiblical, doesn't line up with the word, and you don't care. But it's under control. Let two or three or more uh, give tongues. Let there be interpretation. If there's no one there to interpret, which means if the speaker can't interpret it, then don't do it. Thankfully, I was groomed in a situation where Pastor Shelley could always interpret. And then eventually got to the point where I I already knew what the Lord was saying before I opened my mouth. And I also knew that if he gave an interp- a, a tongue, I would have the interpretation, and he knew that as well. We talked about that recently. That was God's checks and balances. And we would know if somebody said something that wasn't of the Spirit and wasn't of the Lord so that we could answer to it or explain it later on if somebody wanted to know, what was that all about? Also, a lot of the error in the church, they hide behind the scripture in 1 Thessalonians 5.19. Do not quench the spirit. I just had to say it. I just had to do it. I just had to run up and down the aisles and in front of the church and draw attention to myself. No, no, you didn't. Because the spirit is gentle. He is considerate. He doesn't distract. He doesn't create confusion. And if you can't control yourself, that's on you. And that's why we've had the abuse of the gifts in the church. That's why there's been confusion in the church. That's why people have been hurt and they don't want to hear about the gifts because they've seen the error. And I'm thinking, okay, so you've had a bad car. You've driven a lemon. You've made a mistake. Does that mean you never drive another car, never buy another car? And I know that's an oversimplification, but just because you've been around the mistakes, you don't want the real and the proper. You've seen the counterfeit, but you don't want you don't want what's right. See, the, the spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets. Means they're subject to that individual, and they're subject to be questioned by those who've been called by God to do so. God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. That's what he says in 1 Corinthians fourteen, thirty-two and 33. There's going to be decency. There's going to be order. And in the church in Corinth, it was crazy. People were speaking on top of each other. Tongues over here, interpretations over there. People doing their thing or whatever it is. When, when you look at a service, I'm not going to mention the guy by name. And you hear people howling like dogs or rolling in the aisles or doing all this craziness and he's walking around acting like nothing's going on. Folks, that's not the Holy Spirit. I've been in services like that. And I just look around and I'm astounded. A, that he allows it, that the leadership allows it, and that people think that this is the Lord. Let's get it right. There are people dying. There are people in bondage. The world needs us. Let's get this right. Let's get in the Word. Let's get before the Lord. Let's ask the Holy Spirit, teach me, show me. I mean, Peter stood up 
and did everything Paul was describing. He interpreted, prophesied, he edified, he drew the people in for salvation. Now, as a preacher, you need to prepare. I prepare. I spend sometimes hours, days. I'll work on something, and just as I go to deliver it, the Lord scraps it all, and the Holy Spirit takes over, and he does it. Doesn't mean I shouldn't prepare. I heard a story one time somebody told about this preacher that decided he wasn't going to get up there. He was just going to get to the pulpit and listen to what the Holy Spirit had to say. And he got to the pulpit, and the Holy Spirit said, you're not prepared. So you still have to pray. You still have to study. You still have to try to find what the Lord wants to say. But there are times that he'll change it. There are times that he'll want to speak to the crowd that's in front of them. Maybe somebody came that needs to hear something different. And you have to be pliable and willing to let him do what he wants instead of being so prideful. Nope, I have studied and I have prepared these 10 pages and I'm giving them just exactly as they are. The Holy Spirit will let you. And then he'll back off and eventually he'll stop trying to use you. But this is about one thing, salvation. Look at what Peter says in 1 Peter 1, starting in verse 10. He said, This salvation was something that even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about this gracious salvation prepared for you. They wondered what time or situation the Spirit of Messiah within them was talking about when he told them in, in advance about Messiah's sufferings and his great glory afterward. They were told that their messages were not for themselves, but for you. And now this good news, this gospel has been announced to you by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It's all so wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. Angels are amazed at the plan of redemption that the Father has had for his children, of the, the, exter- of the eternal exaltation of his redeemed. And even now, even now, according to Scripture, the, the angels, the heavenly angels, of course I'm talking about, the fallen ones don't really care, but the heavenly ones are being shown the manifest the manifold wisdom of God, Ephesians 3, starting verse 9. Listen to what this says and think about it from the perspective of the angels spoken into existence, the Beneha Elohim, the ones who sung for joy at the creation. And to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and the powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Messiah Yeshua, our Lord. See, even the fallen princes, even the demons, even the, the, the leaders in the, in the kingdom of darkness, they watch, they see. They were there at the beginning if they were the ones that fell. They're watching 
what was prophesied from the beginning of time come true. And the amazing thing about that, this hit me today, they don't participate in salvation. Now think about that. They'll bring a message to you. That's what they are, messengers. They'll, they'll war. They'll protect you. But the assignment of salvation is to his church. We've been called to go. We've been called to speak. We've been called to do. Not the angels. I'm sorry, folks. There's some of you out there that even listening right now are in complete error when it comes to the activities of the angelic. You really need to get deeper into the word. The angels have very specific assignments and very specific limitations. But the call to tell the gospel, to get people saved, healed, and delivered is to us. The Old Testament prophets predicted it, and the angels watch it. That's so amazing to me. I don't know about you. Maybe this teaching has just been for me. That I've been learning more about this Holy Spirit who I speak to every day, who I love and I appreciate. I've been learning more about the Lord and his plan, about my Heavenly Father's plan from the beginning of time when he said, let there be light. And when he took the clay of the ground and he formed Adam inside and they placed him in the garden, and then everything that happened, and what Hasatan did, and why he did it, and what he's been doing since then. And I watch, and I see all of the schemes, and all of the plans, but that our Lord has been, the Lord has been one step ahead of him the whole time. And if we had only done, if we, his church, had only done what he told us to do, the world wouldn't be the way it is. We can blame the devil and the demons and the fallen angels all we want. But what's going on right now in the world is our fault. We did not subject them. We did not do what we were told to do. And through prophecy, through the things I've been talking about, the Holy Spirit speaks to us. He touches those sensitive areas in our life. He reveals what's been secret and hidden. And he brings conviction for you to pull it out into the light and offer it up to the Lord. And then to worship him when he takes it from you. The Holy Spirit is there to encourage you and to stimulate us to action, both in our own lives, but for his purpose and for the kingdom. And to do that, we need all of the gifts and the fruit working together. See, this is the reason why the the majority of what's called the church doesn't want this. They don't want you to come in and convict the congregation. They don't want you to come in and expose the sins of the pastors and the staff and the choir. They don't want you to do that. And that's why they are the way they are. That's why the enemy gets into the camp. We need to say, Holy Spirit, have your way. If you would do that right now in your life, honestly, I'm not saying just say the words, but from your heart, with whatever you're dealing with, just say, Lord, 
I expose it all to you, Holy Spirit, have your way. Do what you will. You'd see amazing things happen. See, the Holy Spirit was sent to inspire us to worship, to encourage us, to edify us, to inspire us to action, but he was also sent to bring conviction to the world. I'm going to read to you as one statement, one, two, three, four sections of John. John 14, 15 through 18, John 14, 25 through 26, John 15, 18 through 19, and John 16, 7 through 15. And I felt led to do this today, lay them all together, and I see them now as one statement. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all the things I said to you. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin, in of righteousness and of judgment of sin, because they do not believe me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All the things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said, he will take of mine and declare it to you. That's four different sections that all tie together in one glorious statement. What he's saying, I'll translate it for you. I'm not going to be here to continue my works. So I am making full provision for all believers to do them for me. I'm sending my Holy Spirit, the Spirit that proceeds from the Father to take my place and to convince the world of their sin, of their need for righteousness, and of the coming judgment. Remember what he said in Luke eleven thirteen: If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Come on, ask him. Say, Lord, give me your Holy Spirit. Give me the gifts. Give me the fruit. Give me what you think I can use. Give me what you think I need. He was also saying, I'm going to my Father, so you'll not see me. You'll not be able to see me again until I come back. 
That's why he said, Behold, I send the promise of my father. But tarry upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem, until you are endued with power on high, until you are soaked in with an inherent self-producing power, dynamic power, an endower of power, and the promise of the Father of that power, through the promised baptism of the Holy Spirit, the power to do the works of Messiah, as he promised, in the world while he's gone. Tarry, occupy, go, do, say, don't sit down, don't wallow in self-pity, don't wonder, oh, woe is me. No, I do that too. I say, Lord, I don't understand. And then I don't get a response. And what he probably would say if he had my sarcasm, well, of course you don't. Now, get on with it. We don't understand. We don't know the end from the beginning. We're not sitting in the heavenly perspective that he sees. He left us here to do a job. And I want to see him again. I want to see my family, my loved ones, my brothers and my sisters and my, my, my blood family, my aunts, my uncles and those that are in state. I want to see them saved because I know what's coming. I know what's about to happen. I know what will happen to them if the church leaves and the enemy is here without anything to restrain him. Oh my goodness, do you not understand what this world is going to be like when he tells the world like he did to the pre-flood people, you want the fallen, you can have them, and they can have you. Those are people you know. Those are people you care about. You're telling me you can't spend time in prayer? You're telling me you can't intercede for them? Father, I just have to stop you for a second. Lord, please, please fix us. We're broken. We're dysfunctional. We're out of order. We need some Holy Spirit oil on the machine. We need some fire in the engine. We need some fuel in the train. Whatever. Come on, Lord. Correct us, Holy Spirit, right now. Speak to us in those areas of our life that we have not yielded to you so that we can be used by you. We don't want to be disorderly. We, we don't want to cause confusion. We don't want to frighten people. We want them to come to you. We want them to be drawn to you. We want people to look at us after hearing our testimony and say, what must I do to have that? I know I've told you this story, but it, it, it matches it exactly. A person that Deb used to work for that became a friend and author in New York of somebody that I met and became friendly with. He had been molested as a child. He was gay, but by the time, towards the end of his life, he was basically asexual. And one, I was in New York preaching at a church, and he couldn't be there. And uh, I was staying with my parents, and the phone rang, and it was really late, and I was tired. My mother said, pick up the phone. It's for you. And I said, I- I'm just too tired. And she said, it's Deb's f- friend Jim, and I think you need to talk to him. 
So I picked up the phone. And he couldn't be at the service. But he just wanted to know. Because he knew me before. He knew I'd walked out on Deb and Jesse. He knew everything about me. He'd seen the unsaved Richard. He wanted to know. So I began to share with him my testimony and what the Lord had done with me, what the Lord had done for me, how he had healed me, how he had given me back my wife and my family, the joy and the peace and the healing in my life. And he broke on the other end of the phone. He says, oh, God, I want that. And I prayed right there with him to receive the Lord, make him Lord of his life. And over the next couple of years, he would call me up when things got tough. And he said, I, I need a Richard Grun prayer. I need to talk to you. And I would tell him how much the Lord loved him. And I'd pray with him. I don't know what's happened to him. He got ill and we lost touch with him. But I know this much. He prayed that prayer. He made Jesus Lord of his life. And he had some things to work out on this earth before he left. But that heart's cry... Of, oh, God, I want that, that peace, that healing, the memories taken away, the wounds being healed. The Lord, through his Holy Spirit, used my voice to speak to a broken and lost man that the church would have walked past. So let's get on with it. Let's desire to prophesy, but to do it in order and decency. Let's stop forbidding people to speak in tongues. And let's exercise the gifts as he's given them to us. Uh, I had some other stuff, but I'm I'm just going to let it go for now. I'm going to let the Lord have his way. Father, I'm just going to continue to beseech you and come before you. Right now to everybody listening, they have sons or daughters or husbands or ex-spouses or mothers or fathers or aunts or cousins. They have friends. They have co-workers. They have somebody in their life you're bringing to mind right now that needs you. So we pray for them. We all touch and agree that you break through the darkness. You break through the, the hardness of their heart. You break through the shadows in their mind, and you draw them to you so that they would cry out, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to have this peace and this joy? And that they would make Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, Lord of their life, and have their names written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Holy Spirit, have your way with us. Fill us with the fire. Renew us once again. You've always been there, but maybe we've blocked you out. Maybe we've shut you out. Right now, we open all the doors and all the windows, and we say, blow through us. Clear out these false teachings out of our mind and our heart. Clear our mind of all the cobwebs and confusion caused by this world. And let us worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Let us do what you call us to do with love, peace, and joy, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Let's go get people saved, healed, and delivered. And if need be, start with us. And I just pray all this in Yeshua's name. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Gunn. This has been The Porch on Firefall.
Talk Radio. Advancements in the medical field are giving nurses faster, more effective results than ever before. They should expect the same from their education, too. Capella University's game-changing FlexPath format allows you to set your own deadlines and leverage your experience to move faster through your program. So the faster you move, the more money you save. When you're ready, we'll be here. Visit capella.edu for a trial course at no cost to you. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter.